A few more notes before we get into the show. Would really appreciate a rate and review five stars. Even if you don't want to write a review, you know, you don't want to hit type words, that's fine. Scroll down, just hit five stars while you're listening to this podcast. Goes a long way in helping me keep it free. Additionally, drafters.com. You will hear me mention drafters.com a bunch. I'm beginning to love this platform. I've been doing a ton of NFL best balls and a ton of PGA contests on their app. It's very smooth. Love it. Reminds me of a former app that was bought out and no longer exists that I really used to love. But anyway, if you want to play in these PGA tier contests or this NFL best ball championship that they have going on over there, the best way to do it to start out is to use the promo code PAT at deposit and you will get 50% added to your first initial deposit. So if you deposit $100, they're going to give you 100 and 50 to play with. Can't beat that. All right, now let's get into the show. You are listening to The Riding NFL DFS Podcast with Pat James. Welcome, everybody, to The Riding DFS and Betting Podcast, The Memorial. One of my favorite tournaments, one of Tiger's favorite tournaments, Jack Nicholas's tournament. This week, though, it's going to be a little bit interesting. I was personally a little perplexed as to how to go about handicapping a tournament when we just saw these golfers play the exact same course. Um, obviously, there's going to be a little bit of tweaking done to the tee boxes, the rough, the greens, but the exact same layout for the most part. So it was definitely kind of interesting to go about handicapping this particular tournament. Um, If you've played golf, especially if you've played golf at the same course, like if you belong to a club, um, I play in a league on Monday nights. So literally a few hours ago, I just played golf uh, Monday nights at the local club. Obviously, I'm nowhere near the caliber of a PGA Tour golfer, but last week I went out had two birdies in nine holes. On the way home, I was Googling the nearest U.S. Open qualifying event because I thought I was Rory McIlroy walking off the course. Last night, I was spraying the ball everywhere. And, you know, just as a microcosm of what I'm trying to say here is just because these guys are playing the same course in back-to-back weeks does not mean that they will likely play the same or have a similar result. However, let's get into today's podcast. Um, First of all, the workday went swimmingly for me. So basically what happened was I had the exact same card as I said on the podcast. You know, sometimes I'll tweet out that I changed a pick or added a guy. It was the exact same card that I said last Tuesday that I put down. So I had win bets on Rose, Neiman, Henley, and Reed. That didn't work out. But the two win bets on Hovland and Morikawa Worked out swimmingly. Going into the weekend, um, I did hedge off on on Justin Thomas, just because you know having the three guys in the final group probably you know before Sunday started, I kind of knew that the winner was going to come from that group of Hovland, Morikawa, and Thomas. Already having two win bets on Hovland and Morikawa, um, and I thought I was cooked. I know I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here. At different points in the week, I thought Hovland was was going to 
win at then Morikawa kind of faded. I feel like I even uh, tweeted out like the only thing that I have left going for me is an Adam Hadwin, um, Christoph Ventura parlay, but it did end up that when it came down to Sunday, did have two guys in the mix, <clears throat> but I didn't have JT, so I did hedge out on JT. I know a lot of people are against hedging. They like to let it ride, let that full profit come into play, um, but I didn't, and it ended up being a mistake because obviously Morikawa won. I already had that ticket in hand, um, but getting in on JT guaranteed me profit, so I'll do that every time, even though I know a lot of people are um, somewhat against it. DK was pretty good too. I mean, I feel like I had a I nailed the player pool, but I just did not put all those players um, in the same lineup, and that showed because I was getting a lot of tweets and DMs that uh, people that are listeners of the podcast had really good weeks. Um, Cody Anderson, right off the top of my head, I believe is one of them. I didn't write them down. He turned like two hundred into eighteen hundred. Um, basically using the player pool that we talked about on the podcast. So that's huge. A lot of people uh, tweeted and DM'd me their, their Morikawa, tailed on Morikawa, and a lot of people were on Morikawa. I'm not going to act like that was something that uh, I was alone on, but uh, glad if you hit the Morikawa outright as well, or if you were able to hedge and get some type of profit, awesome. And we also hit the J-Day top 10 and top 20 that we talked about. Um, I actually talked myself into that on the podcast last week. Uh, wasn't even really planning on betting it. But as I was talking through my favorite plays last week, yeah, that just happened to, you know, kind of materialize. When I was talking through that 7K range, I had it down, written down that I like Jason Day, um, top 10, top 20. So adding him to the player pool helped as well. Hit on the top 10 and top 20, J Day. So I mean, to this point in the restart, two outright winners, two first-round leaders, and I was able to hedge on Bryson at the Rocket Mortgage. So we are absolutely chugging along. Let's get into it, though, this week. I'm not going to go too much into the course. We already saw how it played. Um, what they're going to do is they're going to change some of the tee locations. They are going to, the greens are going to run a little faster, and they have not cut the rough this week. So the rough will be a little bit more penal, and it was Pretty, pretty rough, uh, no pun intended, last week. So, uh, you know, landing in the fairway is going to be something that is pretty critical. Um, the fairways were pretty easy to hit, but you saw it. If anybody went left or right, um, it was pretty thick. Um, and then around the green, I think, one of the things that I prioritized this week is I put a little bit into the model strokes gained around the green, but I sorted by long rough. Um, so it's not just... Uh, strokes gained around the green is it's strokes gained around the green when the the rough is pretty long because as you saw the guys that were uh you know skilled ar around the green players crafty were able to you know cut the legs off the ball and flop it onto the green and let it just roll out a little bit were the guys that did well this week if they weren't hitting the greens it's not if you didn't watch last week's tournament it's not particularly easy to get up and down if you miss the green, right? The lies are tricky. There's a lot of uneven lies, um, ball above your feet, ball below your feet type stuff. And the ball really sits down around the green in the rough. 
it's not like some courses where, you know, there's a huge fringe area mowed down and the rough isn't very penal um, or the rough is short and they can just, you know, pop it out of there easily. It's very tricky if you don't hit the greens um, to get up and down for par on this course. So prioritized approach, prioritized opportunities gained in proximity, um, and also, you know, also prioritized skilled rough players in long roughs because you're going to need one or the other. You're either going to need to stick it close or you're going to need to be able to um, be crafty and, and be an artist around the green if you don't hit it. Okay, so some of the things that I looked at when I made my model, it's almost the exact same model as last week, but I did tweak some things um, based on how I saw the course played. And I, like I said, I did add some uh, around the green long rough in there as well. So obviously looking at approach long-term and recent, looking at form, looking at opportunities and eagles gained, still going to keep that par four scoring between 450 and 500 yards. Um, six of the 18 holes come from that distance. Uh, a little bit of course history, a little bit of off, off the tee. Those two things didn't weight out too heavily, but I put them in there. Uh, proximity, around the green, and putting. You know, so for putting and around the green, I know I already mentioned uh, strokes gained around the green. I sorted, uh, prioritized long rough. Four strokes gained putting, which I always put a little bit into the model, um, not a ton, right? So basically the way I just read those down was the priority, right? Approach, opportunities gained, eagles gained, form, and then those other things after that, par four scoring from 450 to 500, course history off the tee, proximities, those things are weighted not as much. Um, I, it's almost they're there just for me to kind of sort by those and see who pops in certain categories. Strokes gained putting, strokes gained around the green. Um, for putting, I sorted by bent grass and faster greens. So let's get into it. I'm going to go right down through the salary tiers, tell you my favorite. Now, here's the thing. Everybody pops pretty much above 9,500, 9,400, because they're the best players in the world. Their stats match up. So how am I going to prioritize those guys over 9K? So here's who is over 9K. Bryson, JT, Rory, Dustin, Colin Morikawa, Cantley, Webb, Hovland, Hideki, John Rahm, Xander, Brooks, and Tiger. Those are uh, the guys over 9K. I'm not coming off the Hovland train. I know that the, the field is a bit tougher. There are more class players in this field, but he still rates out first in the statistical model that I created. Um, basically, the only issue that he is having right now is with the putter. He is, you know, just firing the irons in there. He's awesome off the tee. First in opportunities gain. He's he's gaining eagles on the field. Um, he's good from the par four distance. There's just nothing to not like about him. Now, I think him, you know, being in the final group this week and sensing that pressure, feeling that pressure, probably pretty good. He's improving around the green as well. Um, I'm not going to say that he's he's one of the best right now, or he's even in the top half of this field around the green. But he did gain 2.2 strokes on the field in the workday around the green. So I was pumped about that. Gained 6.5 strokes on approach. He's just absolutely crushing it, um, except for the putter. And the putter wasn't actually that bad this week. So I think he's getting there. Um, at the Heritage, 
at the Travelers at uh, the Rocket Mortgage lost strokes putting, especially at Travelers and Rocket Mortgage. He lost over three strokes on the greens. At the workday, he only lost 1.4. So he's trending in the right direction. Maybe these fast greens will be an advantage. Oftentimes when the greens are terribly hard, it neutralizes the advantage that good putters have. Um, we'll see uh, for Victor Hovland, but he is still my number one uh, in my rankings, and I'm not going to go away from him. I don't know if people will. This week, his price is up. They just saw him kind of flounder in the final group, so I think maybe that um, brings his price down a little bit. I also like Webb. 9600 for Webb. Like You can stay in this range and get some solid players, uh, solid golfers under 10K. So what I'm going to do now is just rank these guys for you. I really like JT again this week as well. So the model actually spits out um, Hovland, Morikawa, and Thomas 1-2-3, which is interesting because that's exactly how it finished last week. I'll still go back to those guys. Um, as for the guys that you know, weren't in the final group and how I'm going to prioritize them. I like Xander. The putter's hot. I think that he is going to have a nice showing this week. I don't really want much Brooks. Um, I'll be on Tiger just because he's Tiger and I love him and I have to have a little bit of him. Uh, I think Cantlay finished strong and is going to have uh, a pretty good performance this week. But I think the main thing that I'm going to do is not have much Bryson. And that pains me. Uh, I've been, you know, I love the way he came back, um, just pounding the ball. It has been really good to us in our DK lineups to this point. Here's why I think Bryson is um, going to struggle this week. We watched it. We saw it. Guys who did not hit the fairway struggled. So I think if Bryson is just ripping balls off the tee and struggling to keep them in the fairway, kind of like he did at the Rocket Mortgage, um, in that final round at the Rocket Mortgage, he was pounding the ball, but you know, spraying it left and right, but he was able to work out of the rough. Um, I don't think that's gonna gonna fly here at Merrifield. I think the rough is going to be pretty penal this week. So if he does, you know, hit balls three seventy straight down the middle, obviously he's going to be in contention on Sunday. However, if he is absolutely hammering his driver and spraying it like he was at the Rocket Mortgage, I think he's going to be in trouble. That's why I am actually going to pivot to Rory, <clears throat> who's $400 less than Bryson. Um, it's an absolute game theory move. I think, I mean, at this point, I think Bryson will be higher owned than Rory, and uh, if I had to rank these guys, I would say above 10K, I will be on Rory, JT, and Morikawa. I'm going to go back to those guys um, and not have a ton of Dustin or Bryson. In the 9K range, Hovland and Simpson will be my most owned, but I also like Xander and Cantlay, probably staying away from Hideki and Brooks again, and maybe a sprinkling of Tiger. The 8K range is a range that I'm not terribly excited about. The only player that really, you know, shoots up the top of the leaderboard in the statistical model is Abraham Answer. He has been, you know, he's been lights out in approach. Um, 
his form is really good. He pops in the required proximities. And as long as he's hitting the greens, I think, you know, his putter will be okay. And he can definitely place fairly high. I mean, we saw him have a really nice uh, round or week, I should say, at Harbortown. I think he can replicate that at Mirfield. Um, Patrick Reed, I don't know what else to say. Uh, I watched him drop two balls in the rough on, I think it was Saturday, maybe it was Sunday, I don't know. Uh, it all just meshes together at this point, but he, he put a ball in the water, and on his two drops, and we all, we all see how this works, um, when you drop the ball, if the ball rolls near the hole, if it rolls out of the half moon that you're allowed to drop it in, um, or if like, you know, you see it a lot of times when a guy's dropping on a side hill lie or in a bad lie, a lot of times the ball just completely rolls back to uh, the hazard or something like that. You have to redrop, and then if you if you do it twice and it still is rolling all over the place, the the rules official will let you place it. So he didn't. There was no rules official called. Obviously, you don't have to call a rules official for every drop. He went in the water. It was obvious he had to drop. Um, drops the first one. It takes like a, maybe a centimeter hop, and basically lands right where he dropped it. He picks it up. Doesn't go anywhere near the hole. Second drop rolls maybe a ball forward near the hole so you know I could see him saying that that was a bad drop but then the ball comes back rolls back even further uh, away from the hole so it, it would have constituted a fine drop because it came to rest in the appropriate area and he still picks that one up and then you know obviously you're allowed to place your third one literally tease it up on the rough and, you know, we've seen it before, him clearing sand with his, his backstroke, uh, his practice stroke in the sand uh, before the restart. He's just rubbing me the wrong way these days, and he's he's not a well-liked guy on tour, and I could kind of see why. Um, but really, like, everybody else in this range, I'm not too fond of. I think I'm going to fade Jason Day, even though I was on him last week. I think his T7 performance is going to garner a lot of ownership at 8K. So I'm probably going to get off him and Woodland, who is 8,600. Um, I do like Ricky, and I do like Berger at 88 and 87. Uh, but that's pretty much it for the 8K range, Ricky, Berger, and Answer. Um, not really on Finau, not on Fitzpatrick. I, I think, you know, Cooch and Sung Im are going to carry a lot of ownership, and I'm not terribly crazy about them, so I'll probably lay off just as a game theory play there. I do like the top of the 7K range. Paul Casey is a very good putter on fast surfaces. Um, He's been gaining strokes off the tee. He pops from the required proximity. He is uh, top 10 in opportunities gain. These are all fantasy national stats, and he is lights out on approach Uh, both long-term and recently. So I like Paul Casey. I'm going to go back to Joaquin Neiman, and I also like Mark Leishman. So that those four guys there, um, Casey, Neiman, Leishman, and Sergio, are going to make up a ton of my uh, exposure to guys under 8K. So I'm probably going to need a lot of 9K guys, and I do like Hovland and Webb. 
and Xander. So I could kind of already see how my lineups are going to shake out when I run them uh, in the generator. They're going to have a lot of those three guys in the 9K and then a lot of these guys in the top end of the 7K. I mean, Neiman played really well, especially on Sunday. I think he carries that into um, this week. And uh, Leishman rates out really well on fast putting surfaces, and he's always been great around the greens. So I think he is definitely... Uh, going to pop this week. He's been solid on approach as well, and he's always had decent rounds at Mirfield, so he's going to obviously uh, be someone who I am high on. Surge is interesting. Obviously, the putter has failed him in the past, but I think that his recent form overall, um, his approach has been really solid, and He's someone that, that I think we can count on to be in the fairway. So, and, and is around the green game is decent. So I think he's someone that I'll also have. You know, Doc Redman pops again at 7,600. Um, he has been, you know, everything. Here's my, here's my worry about Doc. Um, he's, his around the green game is pretty treacherous. And his putter hasn't been great. So when those two things aren't working, that's uh, somewhat worrisome, you know, but he's, his opportunities gained have been great. His approach has been great. So as long as the putter can get hot and he's not, um, you know, getting himself in trouble by missing greens, which I mean, you could say that for everybody, but he definitely, I think he'll be a first round leader candidate for me and he'll be in my player pool as well as well, as well as Kevin Streelman. We were on him last week. He crushed it for us last week. He is just, he's playing really well. Um, he's currently in good form, and he has played Mirfield pretty well in the past. He's pretty good around the green. I think I'll go back to him. Poulter is a guy that I may, even though we were on him last week, I may not be on him this week. I haven't really decided. He's a guy that, um, he, he gained a ton of strokes putting last week, and that's always worrisome because you know, round over round, that always doesn't remain consistent. But I think I'll still have some Poulter. And right below him, I do like Kevin Kisner. Here's the thing with Kiz. He's, his approaches have been okay. Um, he's played this course well, typically. And he's a really good putter on fast surfaces. However, his around the green game is not good. So... Basically, if Kisner is going to pop this week, he is going to have to be dialed in with the irons. If he's missing greens, then he's in trouble. But, um, you know, hopefully he doesn't miss greens. Hopefully he, he sticks them and then he drops the putts. I'm going to go back to Adam Hadwin. Hadwin is, um, has a pretty solid around the green game and is traditionally a good putter on fast surfaces. He's in good form. The, the irons looked pretty good. Um, and he does also pop in that par four, 450 to 500 range. Corey Connors, my goodness, he's going to need the putter to get working. Um, but he was, he played pretty well, just couldn't putt. Uh, he lost two and a half strokes putting and gained five on approach. He also wasn't great around the green, but when you're sticking the approaches, it really doesn't matter. And that those two, those two things kind of you know, work in opposite directions. But if the putter gets going for Connor, he will, um, he'll show up again 
this week, I think. Here is a stud play, though, from the 7K range that I'm probably going to have a first-round leader bet on, and I think he may go under-owned this week, and it's Harris English. He was kind of chalky um, and then had to withdraw, and I think people are... I think he's going to fly under the radar this week. So his recent approaches are good. His recent form overall is very good. He's number one in par-4 scoring, from the desired uh, distance range, 450 to 500. And he's an excellent putter on difficult, fast surfaces. I think Harris English is someone that I'm going to have as a first-round leader, and he is going to be someone that I am on pretty heavily in in DraftKings and, and other daily formats. Okay, let's dip down to the 6K guys. The first guy is someone that I'm going to be on heavily, and that's Brendan Todd. I know we saw him absolutely shit his trousers against DJ a couple weeks ago coming down the stretch on Sunday. That doesn't matter to me. Um, For 6,900 as a daily fantasy play, I think, you know, he rates out number one and around the green, and his form's been good, his approach has been good. He's traditionally, I mean, you know, every time he's played at, at Mirfield, he's traditionally shown up and, and played pretty well. He rates out fairly well um, in the par-4 scoring range. So I like him for 6,900. Ryan Moore, um, I don't know what it is with Ryan Moore. Him and Emiliano Grio in this range are two guys that I just always gravitate towards because I've seen them play well. Um, you know, Ryan Moore was, uh, for a point a couple years ago, playing as well as really anybody on tour. So I know that he can do it. Um, he pops in this course particularly, and, you know, the, the proximity ranges he's pretty solid at. And so he's someone I'm not overly high on, but he, I'll have him a little bit. Nick Taylor, he's another guy that we were on last week that showed up. Um, I think I'll go back to him. He's really good uh, on par fives. He gains a ton of eagle opportunities on the field, and his form is pretty good. Uh, from there, like I said, Griot, Mark Hubbard. Um, Hubbard's someone that I'm on basically form and around the green only. He's a pretty good around the green player, and his form is pretty good. Um, so I think Hubbard, I'll have a sprinkling of Hubbard. I'm not going to go too crazy on these 6K guys. Um, because I like the 7K range, I like the 9K range, so that's how my lineups are going to basically be constructed, I think. Um, Bud Colley pops in this model, he's good around the green, he's in decent form, his his irons are, are usually pretty good, so if the putter gets working for Bud, he can definitely place. How Tong Lee? Um, haven't seen him in a while, uh, he hasn't played since uh, 2019. He hasn't played this calendar year, but he's a cut maker. Um, he's you know not someone I don't, I'm not going to count on Hao Tong at 6,500 to top 10, but you just need him to you know come 25th or 30th or you know T32 whatever it may be. He's just pretty solid across the board, so I like Hao Tong Lee, Sebastian Munoz, my buddy. Um, so he had a massive letdown on Thursday, however, came storming back. He basically had, as bad of a round he had on Thursday, he came back and absolutely crushed it on Friday, so maybe he he found something there. Um, he's 10th in opportunities gained. 
He's not great around the greens, but his approaches have been there. His putting has been there, but definitely um, found something on Friday. I think he shot six under on Friday to finish plus one. That tells you all you need to know about his Thursday round. And, and from there, I'm not really too too high on anybody below below Sebastian Munoz. Um, there are guys that you wouldn't be surprised if they found their way to a top 40 or 30, like maybe Matthew Neesmith or Jimmy Walker, um, Brendan Grace. But I'm not going to ha- be too heavily exposed to those guys. Actually, Ryan Palmer, um, he's pretty good around the greens. I could probably see myself having a bit of Palmer, but he's not in great form. This will be the first time he's ever played Mirfield. Uh, so maybe a little bit of Palmer if I need someone under 6,500. Him or Tyler Duncan will probably be be jammed into a lineup, right? So like if if I need, if I only have 6,400 or less left and I really like the lineup, I don't mind uh, Duncan or Palmer to make that that lineup work. Okay, on to the betting card. So um, some of the guys that I really liked in the 7K range, I'm going to take some some flyers on. On DK, Mark Leishman is 90 to 1. Bet him at 90 to 1. Uh, this is early Tuesday morning, so um, you know he's 90 to 1 currently. Pulled the trigger on him there. And also, Joaquin Neiman is 80 to 1 on DraftKings. Those were two really good numbers that I found on those two guys. So those guys are going on the card. Um, Obviously, I mentioned that I really like that 9K range on DraftKings. So I'm going to be betting that 9K range as well, which is uh, Vic Hovland. Probably just going to bet him until he wins the tournament. Xander at 31 to 1 on FanDuel. Couldn't pass that up. And Webb at 25 to 1. Webb, I think is someone who people are not going to gravitate towards betting or DraftKings. And I think he is going to have some success this week. And here's why. We know he's dynamite on approach, right? So he is fifth in the field, last 50 rounds, approaching the green. His form's good, just won a tournament. He is ninth in Eagles gained. He is second in around the green when sorted by difficult long rough. And he's also in the top 40 uh, strokes gain putting on fast bent surfaces. So he literally checks pretty much every box across the board minus course history. He has typically not fared well at Mirfield and I don't Know why? Because the rest of his statistics that line up with Mirfield pop. So, uh, but I'm going to be on him for sure. The Zanman, um, his putter's been hot. I think he kind of figured out the greens at Mirfield. Um, he's in pretty good form. His irons are solid for the most part. Uh, and 31 to 1. I just couldn't pass up. Now, so, we, so, so far we have Leishman, Hovland, Neiman, Xander, and Webb. That's five. I usually like to take six, and I am down between Tiger and Abraham Answer. I I didn't think I was going to be on Abraham Answer, um, but coming out 11th in this statistical model and then having the success, you know, after the restart, you know, coming down the stretch there with Webb, at 50 to 1, 
he is going to be someone that I am in on. And I mean Tiger's Tiger. 27 to 1, how could I not on FanDuel right now? So that'll be the card. Um, And I, I got a few DMs and questions on Twitter. How do I go about determining the amount of money that I put on each golfer, like uh, specifically, like how do you know how much to bet? Like you don't want to bet a ton on a long shot. How much do you bet on a favorite? Basically, I try to get the same return or the same payout on every player. So let's say you are you want to win a thousand dollars on an outright. So if a guy is fifty to one, you bet twenty bucks on him. If a guy is 100 to 1, you bet 10 bucks on him. If a guy is 200 to 1, you bet 5 bucks on him. If he's 10 to 1, you bet 100 bucks on him. Or whatever it is. If you're only betting, I mean, like you could set the amount that you want to win at, you know, something small, like $200. If you don't have a huge bankroll, that's fine. No one said that, no one says that you have to bet $50, $100 on a golfer. If you have a smaller bankroll, you could just set aside, you know, $25 a week to bet outrights. And, uh, you know, if and, and make your goal to win 200 bucks and that's fine. Um, just so you have some skin in the game and you can bet, you know, five dollars on the 40 to one shots and three dollars on the 70 to one. If you're betting somebody with shorter odds, like a like a 15 to one, then you put 12 bucks on them. If that's the case, you're probably not going to have a ton of guys to root for that week. But basically, just I would the way I do it is I, I you know I, I pick a bankroll amount, uh, a percentage of my bankroll that I'm gonna bet, and I pick uh, a desired number that I want to win on an outright if I hit it, and you work it out that way. I mean the math is pretty simple from there. Okay, as for my first round leaders, um, Harris English, I like as a first round leader. I'm gonna take another stab at Doc Redman who won us a first round leader two weeks ago. Lucas Glover, Paul Casey, and Brendan Todd. Those are going to be my five first-round leaders. I'm also going to bet uh, either a top 10, top 20, or maybe both on Harris English. So what I'm going to do now that I got a lot of good feedback on is just like a one-minute recap of everything I just said for the last half hour. And if you want to end the podcast now, that's fine if you think you got, if you took it all in, but I'm just going to run down Uh, pretty much everything I just said for about a minute in a condensed form, because I know a lot of times it's tough. You know, you listen, maybe you're doing something else, somebody distracts you. Um, It's hard to remember everything that was said over the course of the last half hour. So DraftKings, my favorite plays um, from each salary range. In the 10Ks, Thomas, Rory, and Morikawa are going to be my Favorite plays from that range. Um, in the 9K, I kind of like some more guys there. Uh, Cantley, Simpson, Hovland, Xander, and Tiger. In the 8K range, don't have a ton of guys that I love. A uh, little bit of Ricky Berger and Day. Do love Abraham Answer at 8,500. A lot of 7K guys that I am fond of, especially in that top range. Paul Casey, Joaquin Neiman, Leash, Serge. Um, I'm going to give Doc Redmond, despite his around the green failures, another chance. Streelman, going to go back to Streelman, maybe a little bit of Poulter again this week. Uh, do love Harris English, and I'm going to have some Kisner, Connors, and Glover. And then in the 6K range, 
Um, big fan of Brendan Todd this week, Ryan Moore. Um, and so basically uh, what's happening here is um, I have a more of a smattering because these guys down here in the 7 and 6K range are a little bit more volatile. So I kind of spread them out and don't have a ton of ownership to these guys down here. Um, I kind of narrow my focus at the top. Um, I kind of plant my flag at the you know with those top guys and then sprinkle these low seven and six k guys. So in the six k range, Brendan Todd, Ryan Moore, Nick Taylor, Max Homa, uh, Grio. I like uh, Ches Reevy popped. I don't think I mentioned him, but I do like Ches Reevy, Bud Colley, Cupmaker, Hao Tong Lee. Um, I'll give Sebastian Munoz another shot, but he's not going to be in a ton of lineups. And then from there, Tyler Duncan and uh, Ryan Palmer, if I need a guy under 6K, but only a smattering of them as well. So that right there was my entire player pool for the most part. May subtract or add um, before Thursday, depending on some more research. But for the most part, those are the guys that I'm going after. Betting, Hovland, Xander, Webb, Leash, Neiman, Answer, and Tiger. Um, probably going to go seven guys this week. Usually I keep it to five or six, um, but I like this field. I like the numbers on uh, Neiman and Leishman, so I threw them in for sure. And then first round leaders, English, also going to put a top 10 and 20 on Harris English. Uh, I also like Doc Redman, Lucas Glover, Paul Casey, and Brendan Todd to be at the top of the leaderboard on Thursday. That'll do it the ride in DFS and betting podcast. Please rate the show five stars and good luck in your DFS and betting contests.